0: What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Very Cold Lasagna podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Lasagna. Welcome to the show. that has a safe and open listening platform for casual, hot, cold, and even the dumbest takes on the world of WWE, AEW, the NFL, and the wide world of wrestling and sports in general. I'm your host, Dylan Lasagna. Welcome to episode number 26. That big two six. (laughs) I know it's only 26, but it's big to me, damn it. Anyway, welcome to today's show because we got a good one for you all, even if it's super late, out of date, actually very out of date, and very outdated, but still, it's not quite as out of date yet, even before the day before um, the next edition of the weekly episodic uh, edition of this particular show, because today, we're going to be reviewing... All Elite Wrestling's Double or Nothing pay-per-view, the 2021 edition of AEW Double or Nothing. Again, I know, super late, out of date on my end. This was on Sunday, May 30th on pay-per-view on Memorial Day weekend. But for a, you know, a wrestling fan that actually tries to have a life outside of the podcast, outside of wrestling, um. Honestly, I I was just not excited for this pay-per-view. Even it, heading into Sunday, I was just not excited. The only thing I was excited for about with this pay-per-view was the stadium stampede two, between the inner circle and the pinnacle. That was pretty much it. Everything else was just was just shit. <laughs> Everything else was look look shitty to me. And not only that, I I. I had other stuff to deal with in my life, like work, and stuff here in this house, and there's other, more interesting stuff happening around, around the, around, you know, around sports like basketball. Even though it's kind of ass too, if you ask me, the NBA playoffs is kind of ass too. But at least that's. Somewhat more interesting because uh, the Fakers are one game away from elimination um, as I speak. Um, hopefully, the Suns can close them out again as I speak. The Suns are leading. The Phoenix Suns are leading the Fakers. The LA Fakers 3-2. Uh, to two. So, hopefully, um, the excuses. James can uh, be out of the playoffs already. So, we can get this um, NBA playoffs officially underway. But anyway, we're here to talk about some wrestling. We're here to talk about AEW Double or Nothing because it was apparently a very long show. And when I finally got to catch up on this very long show, I I I, I, no, I had no words. I really had to go to the other side and click on speed and watch this at two times speed because this show was just so damn boring. It, it, it really... Was about to put me to sleep it really was so grab grab your very cold lasagnas get them out of the fridge and get them ready for my casual and coldest opinions on aw double or nothing because we're about to review this uh um this pile of very cold ass poker chips we gotta plug some shit first as we always do here on very cold Lasagna before we talk about the main stuff Follow me on social media on Twitter and Instagram at VeryColdLasagna. Design. If you're watching the vodcast, aka the video version of Very Cold Lasagna, make sure to subscribe, turn on that notification bell so you'll be notified of each and every episode that comes out on the Very Cold Design YouTube channel, as well as frickin' extras, rants, other new stuff that I don't put here on the full episode. It's a very cold lasagna especially on the audio side of things speaking of the audio side of things make sure you listen to me on the go on apple podcast spotify and anchor fm there's actually one more thing i wanted to address before we get into my full aw double nothing review there's something that happened last week prior to aw dynamite aka friday night dynamite i was on vacation like pseudo vacation of sorts i was in tahoe For Memorial Day weekend and I was on Twitter and I saw um, this promo this promo by Tony Khan Um, he actually was addressing this supposed like talks between WWE and new New Japan pro wrestling and he cut this promo prior to dynamite in this Twitter video he's being interviewed by Tony Schiavone Um, and he was pretty much talking about how these rumored New Japan and WWE talks are bullshit and he was talking about how he was the true forbidden door and again he literally outright called called out WWE and their president Nick Khan um who by the way is doing a lot of like spring cleaning at the moment with these uh releases right now as and I'm going to address that in a Separate um, YouTube exclusive, so make sure to check that out. When when if there are any further releases, I will definitely um, address that. But once the sto- storm has cleared, I will definitely give my thoughts on that. But anyway, Tony Khan addresses outright WWE and the, and its president Nick Khan. So he's the president WWE president Nick Khan is essentially the second in command to Vince. So. Tony Khan lists his accomplishments of sorts with his working relationship with New Japan. And honestly, I don't really remember any of these accomplishments because no, like he lists all these accomplishments. Yet, does anyone remember <laughs> any of it, to be honest with you? So, in my opinion, I gotta be honest with you. Like, I really don't get why AEW continually wants to poke the bear that is WWE and Vitz Man. And I got a, I don't know. Tony Khan man, he outright calls out WWE one of its key executives by name. Uh I don't care if it's like a work or a troll job or gimmick or anything. Tony Khan's the Forbidden Door. Like what is what is what is the Forbidden Door? What is the Forbidden Door? Mr. Khan man, like what is what is that gimmick supposed to be? All right. One thing you don't want to do and take that from Eric Bischoff is poke the bear. You've seen what th- what that what happened to Eric Bischoff with WCW. Eight, like Tony Khan, you don't want to do that. And it's not to defend Vince by any stretch of the imagination, because again, like WWE, Vince McMahon, Nick Khan, they're doing some serious shit um, right now. And whatever whatever's happening over there, apparently they're I don't know what's going on over there. But anyway, it's just. Being honest, like, you really don't want to um, poke the mirror because eventually it's going to bite you in the ass. It really will. Now, as for this rumored WWE and New Japan pro wrestling, like, potential partnership, these rumors on this potential partnership, I-, I just don't see it happening. Like, what does WWE have to gain from it? Like, other than, oh, we get the exclusive rights to, you know, being partners with New Japan. New- NJPW JPW gets to have these exclusive matches with WWE wrestlers. And that's it. That's, that's all. But not only that, how does it really benefit... How does it benefit true wrestling fans? You know, the one that wants to see larger-than-life personalities, characters, wrestlers that actually have charisma on the mic and in the ring. How does it benefit true wrestling fans from to see... Like a bunch of unknown, strong style, aka young, young cucks style wrestlers being on Raw and SmackDown, wrestling, you know, actual wrestlers that have like a gimmick, actual charisma, like Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre, and Bobby Lashley. It does, I don't know, it just really doesn't. It doesn't, in my opinion. So overall, Tony Khan man looks stupid, outright calling out WWE and. I just don't see this um, relationship with uh, WWE and JPW turning out. I really don't. So now that we got that out of the way, um, let's talk about our main topic for today. AEW, double or nothing. So, again, this is a very talked about show. I guess it's considered AEW SummerSlam of sorts because All Out is kind of like their WrestleMania, I guess. But aw double or nothing this this held, this is held in Daly's place and jacksonville it was a full house of, of fans i i can give aw a little bit of credit here it, it's nice to see a like a full house like a packed arena but then again if you're in like an nba fan you've been seeing that slowly but surely in the last couple of weeks with the nba playoffs so for me it wasn't really much of a surprise but it was helpful i guess but for wrestling fans that don't watch other sports it's it was good i guess it was good to have them back but it wasn't enough to be honest with you to save this uh really bad snooze fest now now again not everything was bad about this snooze fest it was just in my opinion really damn boring it was really boring So, we start the show with the buy-in. We had the NWA Women's Champion, Serena Deeb, uh, Deeb, or whatever, going up against Riho. Now, for all the casual fans that didn't watch wrestling back in 2010, like, over a decade ago, Serena was part of this group led by CM Punk, known as the Straight Edge Society. So, they were pretty much, like, pledging their allegiance against drugs and alcohol, pretty much. So, Otherwise, like, (laughs) she was like, who cared? Who cared about Serena? Who cared about Riho other than um, the hardcore wrestling fans, the Smarks? So I I, I just personally didn't care for this match. I actually didn't pay attention to this match at all. So I just went straight into the main card. So all I know is Serena Deeb won this match. And, um, yeah, she retained the NWA Women's Championship, I guess. So that's something to get everyone ready. So then... We have the main card. We have Hangman Adam Page versus Brian Cage. And I, I admit, this was a a good match to um, get everyone ready for Double or Nothing to open the show. It's a good match to get things going. Adam Page is a popular guy with, with the fans. And I wish I could say the same for Brian Cage because the AEW should seriously be pushing this dude. I, I just don't know why. They, they're not. But anyway... look at the match so for some reason i thought adam cage was getting uh adam casey i'm getting the names mixed up because they rhyme for some reason i thought adam page was getting a lot of the offense in this match like like there were a lot of moments in this match where i thought brian cage was i don't know he didn't seem like he was doing much but the moments that he did do something brian cage there's this one particular spot where i thought it was cool where he grabbed um adam page and he did like he did a bicep curl with adam like holding adam page (laughs) and he transitioned into a simone drop but adam page um countered um that simone drop into like a pinfall attempt so that was pretty cool to see so much later in the match brian cage tried to you know steal um adam page's finisher the buckshot lariat but instead page hit uh, Cage with the F5, the F5000. So, yeah, I still don't, I still kind of forgot that Ryan Cage literally uses the F5, Brock Lesnar's finisher, as his finisher for some reason. I don't know why um the F5 is being used in AEW, and I don't know why it's not <laughs> being protected. Well, because, well, they took Brock Lesnar's F5 finisher and it resulted in a cheap 2 count. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like what the hell So Team Taz later came out To try to help Brian Cage And Brian Cage was all pissed off And I think it was Ricky Starks um, Who was in, had a neck injury He tried to give Cage The FTW title While the referee was distracted with um, The other guy In Team Taz But Brian Cage didn't want to win it that way He, he threw away the uh, FTW title from the ring. So that distraction was enough for Adam Page to recover. Hit the Buckshot Lariat to win the match. So decent opening match to start the show. And again the right one to start it. Because Page was a popular guy with the fans. I will say though. Like there was this one particular like part in the match. Where they were no selling in in like a minute like a minute non-stop and I was just like why why are we still doing this it's like you're you you had a good thing going with with this match and you're just gonna insert like one minute of like trading moves and pinfalls while no selling at the same time in the span of one minute Like guys come on and while I don't like the fact that Brian Cage lost another match he got like the build of a of a guy that you should push. I mean, at least you can, they can continue this like story of Brian Cage tr- finally breaking, eventually breaking away from Team Taz. So I guess that's something. But decent match. I just didn't like the no selling. And we'll see what happens from there with Brian Cage and Team Taz. I hopefully um, he eventually breaks away from Team Taz and has a monster push. Hopefully. But speaking of the no selling, we get into a lot of that in the AEW Tag Team Championship match that happens next between, as OTR Essential says, the Bucks of Sucks, the Young Cucks going up against Jon Moxley and Eddie Kingston. And this was your typical Cucks of Suck. Um, bullshit you know the, the super kicks and no selling bullshit all the spot orgies that make Dave Meltzer and all the smarks just their pants going oh shit oh shit they're gonna go on a super kick orgy and do all these dives flips and kicks and all that shit until they make me come all over the place so that was pretty much all this match was a bunch of no selling um, I will say a couple things John Moxley came out to a better version of Wild Thing I mean, I noticed he used Wild Thing a couple weeks ago in that IGWP US title match, and I was like, why did they change it? Why did they change his theme song? It, it, it was okay. <laughs> his original theme song was all right. I didn't know why they had to change it to Wild Thing, but, I mean, this one, this version, this remix, is is a little bit better. It's, it's, it's fine for what it is, so, better than the one he used in that, um... IGWP US title match, whatever it was. So some some quick things that happened during this match, this uh this spot orgy of a match. So I think as Matt or Nick Jackson, they busted John Moxley open with a spray can while the referee wasn't looking. And again, the the young Tucks did their typical spot orgy bullshit, hitting the Meltzer driver like on Moxley on the ramp, and they had their super kick orgy. On Eddie Kingston and Moxley. And. The, the, the Young Cucks won this match. With four straight. beat Beating the elite uh, knee strikes. Which is a stupid finisher. Like. They, they could have just. Ended our misery with the freaking Meltzer driver. And got it over with. But no they had to add a new. Stupid move into their arsenal. So. I don't know. This was the match that continued the trend. For a lot. At least for half of the matches throughout the night. Long ass match. No story. No character. Nothing notable. Other than the match was finally over with. I mean, is it hard for the Young Bucks to have one match where they can tell a flat out ex- explicit story where they don't have to freaking no sell? They don't have to have so many false finishes. That drag out this match for like 30 plus minutes. I mean, goddamn, Is it that hard? It took like two damn pile drivers, for example. A finisher that, you know, back in the day would actually finish the damn match. And they would kick out of them. And I know all of you, all you new Jenners, all you wrestling, so, supposed wrestling fans that say, oh, you're just a boomer. You're just a, you're just a 90s kid. You're just, you're just, a, yeah, 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 that wants the old times back. At least make it make sense, you know? Like come on. This is a this is a this is a move that pr- pretty much knocks your ass out. Why are we using it like as like a transition move here? Like as if it's like a regular move in 2K. Like Jesus. So again, typical cucks of suck garbage that the hardcore wrestling fans overpraise and overrate. Overrated yet again. And I gotta say, again, if you want to get through this uh through this match, for all my listeners and viewers of this podcast, you wanna get through a young cucks match, especially this one, play this match at two times speed. If there's a three times speed or a four times speed, even better. So it can help you get through this bullshit. It can especially help you get through this other bullshit. So the the young cucks Retained their AEW tag team titles against John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. And anyone but the, the the Smarks, no one cared. Nobody cared. So then after that, we had the Casino Battle Royale. And Jungle Boy won this match. And how we got there was, well, the final two came down to Jungle Boy and Christian. And Jungle Boy actually eliminated Christian. To win the Battle Royale. So he'll be facing the AW World Champion. In a couple weeks on Dynamite. Actually this this coming Wednesday. Is it this coming Wednesday or next Friday? I don't know. But on the next edition of Dynamite. Not this coming edition. But the the next Friday. Or Wednesday. Whenever the next Dynamite is. So there are some things that were that stood out to me in this Battle Royale. I liked um, Penta El Zero Mio's. Joker outfit. That was pretty cool. And um, I don't know why. I really don't know why. They continue to do my guy. Max Caster dirty. Like he's putting out these decent good bars man. He he, he came out in the, the first order of the match. And he gets eliminated just very early on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Give the dude some justice man. Give Max Caster some justice. The acclaimed, they've arrived. They've arrived, man. Give them a decent push. <laughs> so, another thing that happened during this match was Leo Rush. Some of you may remember him, some of you may don't, but for those that do, Leo Rush was the mouthpiece for Bobby Lashley back, I think it was like 2019 or something, or 2018. I don't remember, but. He was the mouthpiece for Bobby Lashley, and he made his debut on Double or Nothing, and we all thought he was going to make it to the final, like at least the final four. But no, literally, when he was revealed as the last entrant of this match, he literally got eliminated two minutes after. Yeah, that's just how uh, how un- uninspiring, unsurprising um, that that reveal was. Everyone in the crowd was uh, jerking off to it, but to me, it was just like, eh, okay. So, as for Jungle Boy winning, I don't get the reasoning why he needed to win that match when Christian was literally right there to give to face Kenny Omega. He actually had a reason to to face Kenny Omega when you know he had that stare down with Omega like literally a week. After he made his debut at Revolution. And if they wanted a member of Jurassic Express to win the Battle Royal, give the damn win to Luchasaurus, please. He wasn't even the damn Battle Royal. <laughs> like, this is a dude that AEW could be marketing, and yet they continually not choose not to do so. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, come on. Market Luchasaurus, man. So, they're gonna have this world title match, probably in the main event because. AEW doesn't know what the hell they're doing between probably most likely Kenny Omega who is going to be the world champion and jungle boy in a couple weeks on dynamite. So, so much for Christian outworking everyone, huh? So much for Christian going from WWE to AEW to outwork everyone. Like, wow. So in the next match, we had Cody Rhodes going up against, uh, Anthony, a um, I don't know who this is nor do I care But I will say at least Cody Rhodes finally got rid of that stupid go big show remix of his theme song Although he had this like stupid instrumental in the background like the Like during like during his regular like remix like during his regular version of his song. It was like really <laughs> Like I honestly didn't remember anything else to happen during this match because well honestly this was pretty short for what it was and um i'm not interested in any of these guys so cody won with the verta breaker and um yeah that's pretty much it i will say though i i just like this is this is really what this match led to i like for america like cody Rhodes getting another victory ego stroking his way to a victory for america yeah, Cody beat racism, guys. He beat a guy that people are supposed to think um, was being racist towards the American dream. Yet, apparently this Andina Go-Go dude was a legit boxer, but he was unable to continue his boxing career and um, became a professional wrestler. So, he's the, I guess he's the true American dream. I, I don't know. Oh, Cody Rhodes, man. That guy is on some weird stuff. I don't, I don't really care. So then we had the TNT champion Miro, aka Rusev, going up against Lance Archer. And apparently they were feuding over um, Miro attacking Lance Archer's manager, Jake the Snake Roberts, a couple weeks ago on Dynamite. So, um, on paper, it seems like a a decent fight. (laughs) It it seems like two big dudes going up against each other. But considering how Lance Archer has fallen um, in the last year since, ironically, this was the same event where he lost the the inaugural TNT. Was it the. Is this the inaugural TNT Championship match? Yeah, this was. Against Cody Rhodes. This was the same event where he lost the inaugural TNT Championship match against Cody Rhodes. So. There were a couple of things that, even though it was kind of short. So Miro sent Archer to the front row of the fans with like a, a suplex. And then later much later and towards the end of the match jake roberts later came out to try to get some revenge on miro tried to cost him the match he tried to use the, the snake he tried to get it out of the bag but miro attacked him and he even threw away the bag he even threw away the bag that had the snake in it so miro tried to super kick jake the snake but lance archer stepped in to choke slam him but miro kicked out and Archer tried to hit the Blackout, the reverse uh, Crucifix power bomb, but, um, Miro was able to escape and like, knock out, uh, Lance Archer enough to lock in the Accolade, aka the Game Over. You know, Game Over! <laughs> and, um, Lance Archer tried to get out of it, he almost did, but, um, Rusev kneed him in the back and, um, he was he arched it to pass him out and retain the TNC title. And I'm just wondering throughout this match, did Lance Archer even get any offense in this match besides like trying to get the blackout and trying to hit it and hitting the chokeslam and putting Miro through a table? I don't know. I feel I felt like he hit very few moves, he got very little offense in, but. I guess it's a testament that AEW is finally trying to push Rusev. I mean, sorry, Miro. (laughs) As this monster, unstoppable heel that he should be. And um, he looked that way Sunday night. And, well, if Lana, who was released by WWE, joins him in AEW, which I imagine she will, because considering they're both husband and wife, they could be a dominant tandem in AEW. So hopefully it stays that way. So next... Next up, yeah, we have we had a lot of matches um, in this night. But fortunately, I was able to watch it at two times speed. <laughs> so next up, we had AEW Women's Champion Hikaru Shida versus uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. So apparently on the, the go-home show on the, the Friday before Double or Nothing, they introduced a larger version of the AEW Women's title. So they finally got rid of that barbie sized ass title finally and not a lot happened here to be honest with you a lot of like moves false finishes like there's just very long this was a very long match and the only thing that notable happened was the end so rebel uh brit baker's like manager i guess she almost caught Baker the match by accidentally hitting her with the crutch and um Sheeta almost got the win with a two. Um Rebel would later be ejected, but while the referee was ejecting her from the match, Britt Baker hit Sheeta with the title belt, hit the curb stomp, who by the way still does it better than Seth Rollins. And Sheeta kicked out and even though Sheeta later hit a knee strike on Britt Baker, Britt Baker, you know, played possum enough. To lock in the lockjaw. She finally cinched it in. And made Hukarashida tap out. And finally. And her long ass. AEW Women's Championship reign. And I gotta say like. I mean Hukarashida was. eh, As Women's Champion. she, She didn't even do anything. As the Women's Champion to be honest. I'm sorry for people that liked her. But in all honesty. She was in the crowd. For most Dynamites. She, she She only defended the title on pay-per-views. And she wasn't in a lot of matches. She was just in the crowd. Cheering people on. And watching the other women wrestle. It, it was a testament about AEW. And who, I think it's Kenny Omega that books that division. They didn't care about her. They didn't care about Hikaru Shida. So, I don't know. Decent match. Again, I didn't like how there were so many false finishes. Um, but... The ones at the end were okay. They were they were, they were needed, but the ones prior to that were unneeded. And again, with Hikaru losing, finally ends that long-ass 372-day reign or whatever. And in comes Britt Baker. Finally establishing the reign of DMD. So, this is like the culmination of... All of her hard work, all of her development as a heel, and much needed, really needed for the women's division. And again, it's a testament of how hard um, Britt Raker has worked to not only establish herself as a cornerstone for AEW, but you know, overall as a wrestler, she was kind of like this cookie cutter babyface. Um, like, didn't really like she had the dentist character, but it wasn't really as defined before she turned heel and they fleshed it out and she started gaining a lot better overall charisma character in-ring she was definitely getting like she used this last year to get a lot better and AEW finally saw that so congratulations to Britt Baker on becoming the AEW Women's World Champion well I wish this match had a better story Other than Baker becoming the top contender. It's this is the right decision. This is definitely the right decision on having Britt Baker become the new champion and we'll see what happens in the reign of the DMD. So we had two matches left before the main event. Yes. By this point this is starting to get a become a really long show. So, then we had Sting and Darby Allin versus Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page in Sting's first in-ring match since 2015, where he was injured in a WWE title match against Seth Rollins at Night of Champions. And I will admit, I was initially worried about Sting taking all these bumps and going to do all this wear and tear in the ring. But I got to be honest with you, he did pretty good for what he did, and... He already showed no signs of wear, taking a suplex bump on the ramp. Although I will admit, he he didn't need to no sell that. He did not need to no sell um that that bump, that suplex bump. But he dove onto Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page from the poker chips. So that go that that showed that he still was able to do it. He 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 got his bearings back on the. You know the regular wrestling. And. His deficiencies weren't hitting. Were hitting. (laughs) Hidden whatever. It weren't hidden. In that street fight. That cinematic street fight. Earlier at at Revolution. So. For a lot of the match. It was all Darby Allin. And near the end. Sting and Scorpio Sky went head to head. Towards the end. And. While Sting missed the stinger splash, Sky tried to go for a springboard cutter, but Sting caught him into the Scorpion death, Scorpion death Drop for the win. So, again, Sting moved pretty well for for a guy that's 60 over 60, and for someone that hasn't like actually wrestled in an in-ring match since 2015. And while I was against him, no selling, no selling the suplexes um, on the ramp. He did pretty well. He moved pretty well, able to execute execute a lot of his moves when he was in action cleanly. I I gotta give props to Sting, performing well in this match. Now I just wonder what do they do with Sting and Darby Allen from here. Like, does Darby eventually start to make that slow and gradual turn on Sting? Do they just mutually split up i mean at some point this alliance between sting and darby allen's gotta lead to somewhere because they can't stay with each other forever it's gotta lead to somewhere whether it's at all out full gear on a random episode dynamite this thing with sting and darby allen's gotta lead to somewhere i'm just saying so next we had the aew world championship yeah, this is your uh, AEW World Championship. Kenny Omega, Pac, and Orange Cassidy. I mentioned a few weeks ago about Orange Cassidy being in the World Championship match of Double or Nothing. I mentioned how stupid it was that Orange Cassidy, for as over as he w- is with the fans, how this guy that looks like a mid-carder is in a world championship, I kid you not. At least with Santino, when he was in the the elimination chamber in 2012 with Daniel Bryan of all people, at least everyone knew, whether it's for fans to executives, they knew Santino was already a comedy act. Like, but AEW was trying to present him as a serious deal. When he isn't, when the fuck he isn't. But in order not help that Kenny Omega already sucks as champion with no charisma, terrible mic skills, no character, yet fans claim to him having a character as the cleaner. Like, what the fuck is the cleaner? Is it him cleaning up the, the, the barf that every time he's on my TV screen, I, I hurl? So he has to clean up every casual fan's mess every time they see him on the TV screen, not knowing who the fuck he is? Like, what is his... What is the appeal of Kenny Omega, other than you know, doing some weird kinky shit? Apparently he does that. Credit to the Smart Busters for finding that out. So anyway, onto the match. Onto this boring ass match. So a lot of spots. You know, it was long and boring. Uh, Pack almost passed out Orange Cassidy with the Brutalizer, um, his submission finisher, and Kenny Omega couldn't break Pack's grip. So he was trying to stomp on him, but Pack wouldn't let go. So out of desperation, Omega knocked out the referee and hit Pack with all the title belts that he possessed. The TNA, that AAA, AEW, he, yeah, all the gold that he held. Until Orange Cassidy came in, hit Omega with the Superman punch. Yes, he's stealing Roman Reigns' move now, and Orange Cassidy nearly had the match won, but since Kenny Omega knocked out the original referee, Aubrey Edwards had to run out and make the count. But by then, Kenny Omega was, you know, well recovered enough to play Possum and pin Orange Cassidy with a crucif- crucifix to win the match and retain the AEW Championship. So, again, I was just very bored with this match. This is another one of those matches I had to play at two times speed because I just wanted to get through this. It, it was so boring. And even playing it at two times speed, I was, like, about to fall asleep. So, I'm honestly glad that this match didn't main event. But I'm also not happy that a world title match featuring two glorified jobbers in Omega and... And freaking Orange Cassidy. I mean, Pack is alright. Um, but I, I just don't care enough about him. The, these, this, main, this world title match. Where they have no business being in. Is your main event. Or like close to being the main event. It was so high up on the card. They could have at least put. They could have at least put Sting and Darby Allin. Before the main event. Or... I don't know. Sheeta versus Baker because, you know, it was like Britt Baker's crowning moment. I don't know. It could have done something AEW other than this shit fest. But that was your world title match. Ken Omega retains against uh, Orange, Cassidy, and Pac. And in some breaking, like, oh, on Sunday at least, in some, like, sudden breaking, um, like, not so breaking out-of-date news, Mark Henry. Yes, the WWE Hall of Famer and supposed WWE lifer, um, Mark Henry, made his AEW debut and was announced to be a commentator for the new AEW Rampage uh, show in August. So, wow, I did not expect that. I really did not expect Mark Henry to go to AEW. It's pretty weird if you ask me. Another WWE, like, lifer, loyalist, like, Mark Henry. um, It's, yeah, it's weird to see him being in WWE for so long and then he goes to another promotion. Like, wow. But, you know, I'm glad he's getting another chance to sign in another promotion. I mean, even though it's not wrestling. But I guess the only thing I could say positively about Mark Henry being in AEW is, like, I heard, you know, he, he's been trying... He, he he has a good attitude backstage. And he, he's trying to... He coaches wrestlers to be better. Um, so, hopefully he can coach um, a large majority of the roster on how to be actual wrestlers. Be larger than life personalities. And how to not be such damn pussies in real life all the damn time. So. Uh, well, we'll see what happens with Mark Henry. But kind of crazy it's kind of crazy if you ask me so next the main event this is the match that i've been personally waiting for the stadium stampede the stadium stampede match between the inner circle and the pinnacle now i was kind of wondering how this was going to work with live fans in attendance because last year during the covid19 pandemic um obviously it was a cinematic match between the elite, Matt Hardy and Adam Adam Page and going up against the inner circle. So they were able to do a lot. Like literally a lot of crazy shit in that match. In this match it was I was wondering how we were they were gonna do that, considering there's gonna be live and they're gonna have fans in attendance. Like how we're we gonna be able to pull off all these like Crazy, crazy crazy-ass spots. So, I was going to this match pretty, like, like, with pretty, like, tempted expectations. Like, I was excited, but I was also trying to keep my expectations, like, you know, tempered, you know? There's also a stipulation in this match where if the Inner Circle lost, they would have to disband. So, like, it, I don't know it was just like I'm alright So I feel like shouldn't have That have been the blood and guts match Here then if that stipulation Was in place But anyway So here's some highlights from the match Because um, there was a lot of shit that happened That that went down The inner circle going down Like the these cable cords From the um Like one of the jaguars like Like Tynetrons was like like video screens was pretty cool like they recorded their way down um from from the top of the jack jaguars video screen <laughs> that was pretty cool and then get into the real match so they're just brawling around the field to start and then wanting to get inside um, jericho hit m mjf with like a chair toe with like cookie sheets <laughs> that was pretty cool and then like mjf's like threw coffee at Jericho and then M- Jericho screamed at MJF with the megaphone. And then once they, once they went inside um, uh, office in what's supposedly an office area, they actually walked into the coach's office, uh, the coach's room of one Jaguars head coach, urban Meyer and assistant coach, Charlie strong. So that was a pretty cool cameo that, was a pretty cool cameo urban meyer actually assisted jericho um by giving him his laptop and letting him hit mjf with it <laughs> and they brawled in the film room the jaguar's film room so that was uh, pretty pretty cool to see meanwhile jake hager and wardlow battled in a freezer ftr and santana and ortiz they had drinks and they brawled in a nightclub Dax Hardwood and Santana eventually made their way and fought in the elevator. And then much later in the match, Chris Jericho and MJF went into the Jaguars front office like no joke. And you even got a cameo, a cameo from the Jags owner and Tony Khan man's father, Shahid Khan. (laughs) And then in the front office, still Jericho stabled a thank you card onto MJF's forehead with MJF screaming like a little girl and Jericho busted MJF open by throwing him into a glass office door and yeah someone definitely had to clean up um, that front office on Tuesday after the holiday so eventually they make their way back into the live crowd and and Sean Spears he's he's looking at looking for Tully Blanchard but he is instead not only chased by the Inner Circle Bicycle Club, but in a reverse turn of events from last year, Sammy Guevara chases down Sean Spears in a golf cart and they head back to the ring. So, meanwhile, Jericho and MJF are brawling in the live crowd and Jericho powerbombs MJF into a nearby mini table, like a coffee table of sorts. So, in the ring, Sammy Guevara is battling with Sean Spears. And Sean Spears actually hits two unprotected chair shots onto Guevara um, that results in near falls. And Spears tries to curb stomp Guevara like he did when the pinnacle first formed back like in March. But Guevara does ends up doing what Guevara did to him when that happened. And he hits the 630 splash on on Spears to win that match and keep the inner circle together. So I gotta say. Well, it wasn't as, like, good as the first Stadium Stampede, obviously. This first one was pre-filmed, and while th- this one was live, I think it was at least, this this Stadium Stampede was live, and there was a lot of pressure for them to make this work, make it count, and do ev- make everything, like, going for them. This still was the best night. This still was the best match of the night for me. This is an intellect this is the only match that I was looking forward to and It it was good. It was really really good. Like not really good, but good What I liked about this stadium stampede in particular was how they didn't reuse the same areas I mean except for the field obviously cuz that's where you start With the exception of the field they didn't reuse the same areas as last year like the Jaguars pool or the uh, bar that Hangman Adam Page and Jake Hager were in—they actually kept things fresh. They went into the Jaguars' front office. They had Urban Meyer and um, and Charlie Strong be there in Urban Meyer's coaching office. So that that was uh, pretty cool. And unlike last year, where it was like comedic and there were a lot of like funny stuff there was still some funny stuff here but this was kind of more like a blood brawl this felt like a blood feud that you know they they really want to hurt each other all around the all around the stadium this it, it felt like one one of those fights that had a serious tone to it even with its comedic moments there's just a couple things that I wonder why they happened like Why did they have Sammy Guevara get the winning pinfall on Sean Spears when this feud was pretty much about Chris Jericho versus MJF? So wouldn't Jericho, shouldn't have Jericho beaten MJF in the ring, like, you know, as revenge for, for pushing him off the, the blood and guts cage? Like, couldn't they have done that? Also, like why didn't they do like this pre-match promo like you know a promo package like like showing like recapping w- the events leading up to the stadium stampede too like why is it happening or like like what happened at blood and guts and why again why why did the, the inner circle have to break up if they lose you know i'm surprised for a main event match they went straight into it it's it's just kind of weird for a match that was hyped up pretty much, like a lot. And I also wonder how this, how how this feud would have been had the Stadium Stampede happened first or over the Blood and Guts match. Like, if the Stampede match happened first and then Blood and Guts happened at double or nothing. I just wonder that because, you know, Blood and Guts felt like that feud ender it's they should have ended that feud there but instead it was relegated to the kickstarter it's like where do you go from here the inner circle one they're staying together like where do you go from here do they like do they break up like the shield did seven years ago like does someone within the inner circle turn on one another like i don't know like i really don't know where they go from here I don't know where the pinnacle goes from here. I don't know where the inner circle goes from here. I just find it hard to believe they're gonna do one more like blow off match after doing like two big stipulation matches. Like I mean inner circle one it was the right call, but it's just where do they go from here? Where do they go? But I did like the stadium stampede. It's just where did where did where does this feud go from here? So, overall, outside of the stadium stampede, Britt Baker winning, and the opening match between Brian Cage and Hangman Page, I just I just didn't like the show. I did not like Double or Nothing. I thought it was just below average. Now, I'm being nice. It was boring still. It, it, was, it was not terrible. Not completely terrible. It was just eh, below average. And it doesn't help that it was four hours too long, and even at two times speed, it was still two hours too long. And I don't—I—I I, I was seeing a lot of praise for this show. I was seeing a lot of praise when there were only like three good things that to come out of this show. Actually, four, if you consider having a full capacity crowd. And I'll admit, having fans, full capacity fans back there. In a wrestling event was was good it brought energy a lot of energy back into the show into into a wrestling show whether it's aw or wwe but it just simply wasn't enough in my opinion to generate any excitement into these matches into most of the show because most of the matches were garbage there's just spot fest out a spot fest long match false finishes can we just have one match, one show, whole show, where there, if you have at least a long match, can you at least have a, a narrative? Can you at least have a fa- a fewer false finishes, something that that doesn't freaking I don't know. My God, like do they do they ever learn? Do they ever learn? I don't know, but. It's just overpraised. It really is overpraised. Like, I don't know how people see this as, like, one of the best shows when it was just eh. It was really, Double Nothing was really eh. It was just overpraised dog turd for some, and for some reason, like, people thought this was the greatest thing that they ever saw. When, again, there were only three things worth talking about on this show. But if you really want to see Double or Nothing, watch it at two times speed Um, so you can get through the long, meanest filter going into the Stadium Stampede, which is my opinion was one of the only matches, actually the only match worth watching on this show. The opening match was fine. The Women's Championship, the, the ending was okay. But for a match that's fully worth your time, the Stadium Stampede is your way to go. Um, not as good as last year, but good enough for me. But overall, double or nothing 2021. Hot dog dookie water. But those are my thoughts, my opinions. Again, everyone has their own opinions on wrestling. But those are my personal opinions, and I stand by it on AEW Double or Nothing 2021. My super late out-of-date review. <laughs> and I know I'm I'm sorry. I I'm doing this review really late, but Life happens. But thank you all for joining me on this review of AEW Double or Nothing 2021 on this episode of Very Cold Lasagna. I'm your host, Dylan Lasagna. Thank you for joining me on this fine, fine episode. Make sure you subscribe to me on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anger FM. And follow me on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Very Cold Lasagna. And as always, keep that lasagna very cold and in the fridge with your takes on the world of wrestling and sports in general and keep that lasagna in the fridge close it for now and until next time peace out